0: You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. With our year long series, and um, we are talking about miracles, the miracles of Jesus. Our series is titled Centered. Um, it is all about Jesus, and uh, we are in that, that area of the miraculous right now, so we're going to continue with that. So uh, if you have your Bibles and you'd like to, to follow along in your Bible, um, we're going to go to John chapter nine, and we're going to begin reading with verse one. And today we're talking about the experience of Jesus healing the man who was blind from birth. All right. So as you are turning there, let me pray for us. Father, we need you desperately. Need you. I pray that you open our eyes today. Let us gain. The spiritual insight that we need so that we may have understanding and revelation of you through your powerful word. Let me decrease. Let Christ increase through me. May you be glorified in what is preached today. We thank you for every miracle of scripture. We thank you for all that has been done on our behalf. We are indebted. We are grateful. We are awed by you, O God, and we are so thankful that you are so good indeed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The big idea today is God is good, all right, so in all of what we're saying here, we want to kind of land there, that God is good. There are several miracles, seven uh, major miracles in the Gospel of John. Uh, Some of them we have uh, talked about, Uh, we preached on the water into wine in chapter 2, Uh, There's also a a healing of an official son in chapter 4, the the healing of the paralytic in chapter 5, the feeding of the multitudes, which we have talked about before in chapter 6, walking on the water, Pastor Dave did in in chapter 6, and I'm going to talk today about the healing of the blind man in chapter 9, and then uh, we also have in John's gospel the raising of Lazarus, which uh, Dr. Hitchcock preached to you uh, about as well. So there's, there's lots of miracles going on here, major kinds of miracles in, in the Gospel of John. And uh, we're going to land here today on this, this man born blind, uh, who needed both physical and, and spiritual sight. Um, and uh, so we want we just, to just talk a little bit about that, kind of unpack that. And I'd like to give you about four things to think about. Um, and then at the end of the service today, of course, Pastor Dave will come and, sh- and share the Gospel Presentation with you as we always do in, in Life Church. Uh, and we'll have people here to pray for you uh, if you would like to come up and get prayer. But what I'd like for you to, to do today, and I'd like for it to be in your heart and in your spirit now as I'm preaching to you, is at the end of this message today, and after the gospel has been presented and that call has been made, I would like for you to take a few moments and gather in about three to four individuals in groups. And I would like for you to pray for each other in that group and take as much time as you need to do that. But I would like for you to, to pray for one another. And you may share some of your sufferings and struggles with others if you would like or, or not. It doesn't matter. Uh, but we would like for you to take the opportunity to pray with one another for a few minutes at whatever uh, comfort level you are in, in doing that, okay? Uh, so, let's, let's look at this. I'm going to, to uh, first read the first 12 verses, and I would like to talk about one of the issues that I think arises here in this particular passage, okay? So, we're going to look beginning with verse 1, chapter 9. It says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, That he was born blind. And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Shalom and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. I want to address first the issue briefly of sin and suffering. And uh, just talk to you about that for a moment. And I want to give you two thoughts about sin and suffering as we enter into this passage. This is a man who was born blind. He, he didn't have an accident down the road or somewhere, but he was born this way, totally out of his control. Um, he is completely blind. And so as they are passing by him, uh, the disciples pose this question out of their their context, if you will, out of how they think. Uh, and they're saying, hey, all right, whose fault is this? You know, putting, trying to find some place to put the blame, if you will. And Jesus responds back to them. They say, is it his, you know, is it his sin? Is it his parents' sin? Why is he blind and Jesus responds back in, in verse 3 and says, It's neither the man nor his parents that have sinned. And here's the first key thought that I'd like to, to lay out to you today. And that is this, that sin is not always the direct cause of suffering in this life. All right, And I think that's something, if you, could, if you can grab a hold of that and get your hands around that and work with that truth and let it bring revelation to you, it will help you to adjust to life. It will help you to accept some of the things maybe better or easier in this life. Sin is not always the direct cause of suffering, all right? And Jesus proves this immediately with, with his message. But, but sometimes our suffering really is directly caused by our sin. We don't want to miss that. Sometimes sin is, is what is causing suffering in people's lives. So we don't want to miss that. We don't, it, it's not an either-or thing here all the time. All right. There's, no, there's, there's not one way that we're going to look at this as, as, as opposed to the, to the other here and say, well, that one, is, that one is right, that one is not. All right. It's not always a direct cause. Now, we can go back to, to Genesis. We can go back to the fall and understand the, that all of this res- Results out of, out of the fall, okay, but what we're saying here is that, that not every situation in our lives where we find our, ourselves, are our experience suffering is, is caused by direct sin, all right, and, and John chapter 5, verse 14, he says, see, you are well again, and then he says this to them, he says, stop sinning or something worse may, may, may happen to you, all right, See, you are well, all right? Sin no more. Don't, don't keep on sinning. Don't go back into that same track. Don't go back into that same place you were. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. We see here that, that Jesus acknowledges that if, if someone continues in sin, it can bring about devastation. It can bring about suffering, if you will. But not always is sin the direct cause of suffering, all right? Let me let me talk about a couple of statements that people make that I think are wrong about suffering. I've heard people say this. Well, if someone is suffering, they must have sinned. There must be some kind of sin involved. Well, well, what about Job then? How how do you answer the situation of Job if that is your belief system, all right? That that there always has to be sin in someone's life uh, because they're suffering. We don't, we don't live in such a simple world, folks, not, not, at least not one in which uh, good things always happen to good people and bad things always happen to bad people, all right? It's not, that's not the way it works, you know? Unfortunately, we live in a fallen world, and in a fallen world, sometimes bad things can happen to good people, but that does not change God, and that does not make God bad because a bad thing happens to a good person. And at the end of the day, God is still good. He is still a good God, and He has done good things for us as His people, as the praise team sang about today. Another thing that I've heard people say, If you're, I, 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 I so don't like this one. If you are suffering, then you don't have enough faith. Ooh, that caught a lot of you. <laughs> Uh, there's amazing expressions out there with, with that statement. If you are suffering, you don't have enough faith. Well, well, then I ask you, what about Paul? Paul, Paul says, basically, you know, to, to keep my, my pride now. For, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 uh, through 9. Do we have that one? Wait. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations... I'm up there in hyper-spiritual places. A thorn was given me in the flesh down here. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. If there is any man who had great faith, it was the Apostle Paul. And yet he carried this Thorn, as he describes it, this this thing that God would not take away from him, that God would not remove. And he prayed about it, and it didn't go. And he prayed again, and it didn't go. And he prayed again, and it didn't go. And at that point, he has to resign himself and accept that, okay, God has purpose in this as well. And, And God is still good. And God will bring good in my life. As a matter of fact, I can actually see the good that God is doing in allowing this to stay in my life. He's not acknowledging or giving God credit as for authoring this thing. He's just saying, I have prayed to God. I've asked God to remove it. He has chosen not to. Therefore, now I must look at what God is up to and what God is doing. And if you and I can begin to look at those things in our lives that we struggle with and that have been allowed to come into our lives from that vantage point of what is God up to. And please understand, I think we are, we are so oftentimes too quick to give too much credit to the devil about things in this life. The cross, the cross is a symbol of both suffering and salvation. The message of the cross is foolishness. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, it, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. It right, doesn't, doesn't make any sense to them. They don't make any sense out of it. They don't, they don't get any order out of it. Um, but, but to us, you and I, those who are being saved, I love that, being saved. We're in the process of being saved. It's going on in our lives. It is the power of God. And that's what, that's what we hold on to in Jesus. All right? God uses the suffering of Jesus to bring blessing. So why do we doubt that God can use our suffering to bring blessing? If we understand the suffering that Jesus went through and his willingness to embrace that suffering though he did not want it and what has come as a result of not only his suffering but the power of the resurrection in our lives, we see what work has been done. Can we then say, yes Lord, your will be done. Not Not my will, but your will be done. And not doubt what God can do in difficult places. So, a few thoughts on sin and suffering. Now, let's look at the idea of a miracle and its purpose. Let's begin at verse 13, and let's let's read down further here, if you will. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that I was blind. Now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us and they cast him out. I just love what's going on here. I just love this dialogue that's happening here between this man who was blind, but now sees. And these Pharisees who can see, but appear to be blind. Jesus did a lot of other miracles, other miraculous signs, all right? But, but at the end of this Gospel of John, we're told these words in John 20, verse 30 and 31. It, it says there, um, do you have that? Wait. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that, in order that, you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. All right? So this, this miracle was done in order that, that they may believe, it. they may see, that they, they may have sight, they may have revelation and understanding, and these Pharisees are not seeing. It was done that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. This was, this was what God was trying to do here in this place at this time is to help people to see. And he does this miraculous, never heard of before kind of miracle in which this young man who it's obvious to other people because they know him and because his parents testify of it, that he was indeed born blind and he lived into adulthood. He is now of age. He can speak for himself, if you will. All right. Never since the world began has this happened. What an amazing moment. Jesus does something that no one else has ever done. And this isn't just about health, but this is a miracle about faith. All right? And so the purpose here is to to bring this message forth that Jesus has come to give not only life but light, give sight, if you will, spiritual sight, and and insight and revelation to people. And these Pharisees are getting hung up in this. Even his parents get a bit hung up. And it's sort of exposed and explained that well, they didn't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. They didn't, they didn't want their religion messed with. They didn't want their relationships and their experience messed with and the shame of all of that of being kicked out or excommunicated or, or whatever. So they're, they're putting it off on their son. Just go talk to him. He's old enough. Let him tell you. We'll tell you this. He's our son. We'll tell you this. He was born blind. But as far as the rest of the story, you're going to have to talk to him. In other words, we want to to be left... That's where we draw the line. Don't mess with our religion. Don't mess with our stuff. I wonder how many times we've we've allowed ourselves to stay in situations and circumstances for the sake of relationship or other things when God would want us to stand up and be a voice and to be willing to, to be other than religious or of the world and to... Proclaim Jesus in the place where we are because of what he has done for us. Let me, let me put it in, in a little bit simpler and more personal terms. How many times have you had an opportunity to share what God has done in you through salvation and you failed to do that because it would shake things up a little bit and you knew it would cause a wave or a little bit of a problem. I'm not condemning you. I, I, I'm, I'm guilty as I charge here, okay? I'm saying that, that we, we need to find that place of boldness and courage and faith to stand up because what God has given to us is the most amazing thing in all of eternity. And we have it, we hold it. We have Our eyes have been opened, we were blind, and now we see. And yet, how often are we sharing that message with those around us? How often are we giving out this same light that has been given to us? Again, not condemning you, just saying, can we think about this? Can we weigh this out? Can we let it sink into us and, and let it speak to us? And, and I hope challenge us and move us to a greater level of sharing the life that we have been given through Christ and being a light in a dark world and, and so forth. The sight of, of the blind and the, the blindness of the seeing just am- am- amazes me here. Uh, Jesus is so much, you know, he, well, he's, he's it, folks. I mean, people uh, expound on it all the time, but, but simply put, he is so good. That's that's that big idea it needs to come back to us. He is so good in our lives. I wanna I wanna just share a, a story with you that I that I ran across. This uh this man was born uh with sight and, and today he is is blind, but um as he he. Um, this guy that works with him tells the story. William Frey is is the, he's a retired Episcopal bishop out in Colorado, and, and he tells this story, and he talks about um, when he was a younger man, and he volunteered. What he what he did is he went to a campus and he volunteered to read for someone who was blind as they were going through there. Their are uh, graduate studies, okay? So he, he did the reading for this guy's name was John. He was completely blind. And so one day in the reading, he asked John, he said, he said how did you lose your sight? And, and John just matter-of-factly said, a, a chemical explosion. Uh, there's a pause. He goes, I was 13. And so Brother Fry says, uh, h- how did that make you feel? Life was over. Pause. felt helpless, Pause. hated God. And then there was quite a bit of silence. The retired minister was trying to figure out how, you know, how to navigate this with him. And then all of a sudden John speaks, and this is so amazing. He says, for the first six months I did nothing to improve my lot in life. I would eat all my meals alone in my room. One day, my father entered my room and said, John, winter's coming. The storm windows need to be up. That's your job. I want those hung by the time I get back. Or else. Then he turned and he walked out of the room and he slammed the door. John says, I got so angry. I thought, who does he think I am? I'm blind, for crying out loud. He says, I was so angry, I decided to do it. It gets better. He says, I felt my way to the garage. I found the windows. I located the necessary tools. I found the ladder. He says, all the while muttering under my breath, I'll show them I'll fall and then they'll have a blind and paralyzed son. John continues the story and says I got the windows up but here's the key. I found out later in my life a little later that never at any moment was my father more than four or five feet away from my side. And he says God spoke to me in that that Jesus did not promise to spare us, but he did promise to be with us. And Jesus said, Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't that powerful? We are going to go through some stuff. Some stuff is going to happen in our lives and it's going to shake us and and squeeze us and, and push us. And we're going to be put in uncomfortable positions and situations. But your Jesus is not very far from you. He is right there with you. Never leaving you. Never forsaking you. And giving you sight to see. To see the things that are going on around you. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. (laughs) uh, I'm amazed at how these Pharisees just kept sending these jabs in there and trying to to, create something, make something happen, get him... I wonder if they didn't possibly think, you know, if we get him mad enough, he'll tell the truth. If we get him mad enough, he'll come clean. You know, if we, if we stir him up enough, or if we confuse him enough, we'll catch him. You know, his, his story will unravel. His, his, he, he'll have to come clean in his situation, if you will. <laughs> and he says, this is what I know. This, this, this is what I know. I was born blind. This man came along. And granted, it was a very unusual situation. I'm amazed at how God uses some, some unique things to, to get people to, to, to know him. But Jesus spits and, and makes mud and you know, puts it on his eyes. You know, and, and, and see, this is where you have to be careful about taking off on something and, and making it your your idol, if you will, or your method of your madness, or your, the only way you can can do something. You know, you know we, we don't have, you know, if we were going to do that, we'd have a, a pot right here of water and a pot right here of, of dirt, you know. And then over here, we would have handkerchiefs. In in a nice pile. It it isn't about the method. It isn't about the, the way things were done. It is about who did them and the purpose for doing them. And Jesus is walking by with his disciples, and they're simply asking a question out of their teaching, out of their culture, because it was thought in that day that if someone suffered, it was because they had done something bad. That was the general way of thinking. And some of you got general ways of thinking. You got so much grandma theology in you. It is scary. <laughs> and for some reason, she seems to sort of like supersede scripture sometimes. You know, I got aunties. They taught me crazy stuff. And it's carried over into culture and, in, and into life. And it has become like a, a maxim of America. Godliness is next to cleanliness. Go take a bath, boy. Well, it ain't in the Bible. I should take a bath, yes. But what I'm saying, they're quoting scripture to me out of their theology because grandma said to do it, and if you didn't do it, grandma got you. They had more fear of grandma than fear of God. Jesus is coming to set order, Jesus is coming to bring truth, Jesus is coming to bring life and light into darkness. And he's walking by this man and he goes, this man, hey, rabbi, teacher, help us. We've struggled with this. I struggle with suffering. Do you not struggle with suffering going on in this earth? This whole thing in Syria just drives me crazy. I don't know how to talk to people about that. I'm still trying to talk to God about it. I don't get it. And so they, they've struggled with this thing of suffering, and so they're, trying, they're just trying to figure something out here. Rabbi, talk to us. Tell, explain this to us. Now, was it his, his parents that sinned, or was it him? It wasn't either one. I love, I love the way Jesus does this kind of stuff. It's kind of like, all right, here we go. This is it. It was so that God could be glorified. Wow, what a revelation. What a revelation. And then he does that thing with the spit and the dirt. I mean, they're already trying to work this out and process it. And then he does this, like, thing. (laughs) If I suggested that to any of you, you would have a real hard time. You would have a hard time doing that if I said, go and get dirt and make mud and put it on people and pray for them. But if I came to you and said, hey, I got a little mud pack here and I want to put it on your eyes or your ears or your fingers or your legs or your head or whatever, wherever your suffering is, it wouldn't make sense to you either. I'm sure it didn't make sense to the disciples. Yet Jesus is able to take things that would confuse people and open them up so people can see. at the end of this at the conclusion of this message here we we need to be able to say that the reality is that there is a spiritual blindness in this earth and Jesus has come to bring sight and one of the things that will most get in the way of that is our self sufficiency Our need to do things ourselves or our need to do things our way. For judgment I have come into this world, he says in verse 39, so that the blind will see and those who see will be blind. That's a very heavy piece of this story. And it is my goal as your pastor and Pastor Dave's goal is that you are not found blind. All right? That you are not found blind. And you are not going to get that sight in, in, excuse me, but Christian romance novels and self-help seminars and five-step plans and 11 keys to heaven and nine opportunities to be enlightened, and any other form of religion, regardless of how noble and good some of its aspects might be. Jesus is saying, look, what is important here is that you disciples have your eyes open and you see that I am the Son of God. And I bring light. I open blinded eyes that they may see. Amen.